This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join me today, Peter. I know you're probably very busy, so thank you for jumping on. Um, I've organized some questions in different subtopics, so we've got a little bit about you, uh, questions provided to me from the community, uh, questions about the company, and just a bit of a conclusion, so hoping to make it as interesting as possible for yourself. I thought, starting off, seeming I've never met you, you've never, ne- never met me, pardon me, um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself. So how did you get into the role at Tailwind? Uh, back in 2016, and I guess your journey through life to this position where you are now. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was uh, I was actually taking flight lessons out at the airport in Westchester, uh, trying to become a student pilot. And uh, I Tailwind at the time, which was a much smaller company, uh, was based at my flight school. And I uh, did a little bit of, of research, and then and then recognized, realized that one of my colleagues. Uh, from university and graduate school, uh, was actually the CEO of the company, and uh, so I reached out to him, and that was uh, that was the beginning uh, of of a, of a really fun fun journey. My my personal story uh, professionally, uh, I've always been interested in the travel sector, uh, in particular aviation and, and airlines. I work I worked for American Airlines after getting my MBA uh, in revenue management. Uh, I also uh, worked for a bit at Northwest Airlines, which uh, became Delta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I spent about 10 years in uh, Manhattan uh, in travel tech startups. Uh, in particular, I, I co-founded a website called Jetsetter, uh, which is now owned by TripAdvisor. And, um, and I worked on a couple of other uh, travel startups, in particularly with, with hotel and hospitality distribution. Uh, but my first love is certainly aviation. So experience far and wide and a bit of everything. Yeah, I, a lot having to do with, with distribution and selling of mm-hmm. travel inventory. Would you say that's probably the area of interest for yourself then personally? Yes, although, although, although it goes farther than that for when it comes to aviation, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, a rusty pilot mm-hmm. and uh, one day I'm going to actually become a true pilot. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I love all things that fly. So uh, I, what's always fascinated me about, about airlines and aviation in general is actually the, it's the complexity of the business um, and how, you know, how complicated it actually is to, to stand up and run an airline. Um, as much as the, the thrill of flying itself, I actually I enjoy the actual uh, intricacies uh, of the business. And of course, you can end up seeing your handiwork when something takes off and lands well, and people get where they want to go. So. That's uh, I tell that to everyone, and, and for me, it's probably the same as in, we just jump on board these planes, 
usually not most people not batting an eyelid. But when you think about just how much goes into putting that plane in the sky, whether, of course, it's with Tailwind, American Airlines, like you mentioned, whoever it is, there's so much involved behind the scenes just to get that plane in the sky at the right time to then go all the way to its destination. It's it's, uh, amazingly complex, uh, amazingly safe, uh, and... Uh, but but takes an off uh, a lot of work and effort and uh, and it's a lot and I it's work I like to do might as well do what you want to do and exactly. what you would love to be doing so and that that's certainly the case here. Well, that's the best thing doing something you love never work a day in your life and yeah. Exactly. So um sticking <laughs> I to that. I remind myself of that on a couple. Of it is it is hard at times. I do agree it's hard. <laughs> but um so what does the title entail in your day to day work at Tailwind? So I'm responsible for our scheduled services at, at Tailwind. So that uh, at this time, this is that's really our, our amphibious seaplane fleet. Uh, we now fly, uh, as of Wednesday, we'll have eight destinations. Uh, our primary route, our core route is uh, Manhattan to Boston Harbor, uh, which is groundbreaking on all kinds of levels. Uh, we also uh, consistently offer uh, a seasonal summer service between Manhattan and a number of places in Eastern Long Island, uh, Sag Harbor, uh, East Hampton, Montauk, and Shelter Island. Uh, we have exciting new service. Also a first is service to Provincetown from both Manhattan and from Boston. Uh, so that's the tip of the Cape. Very much those services service uh, summer communities. People spend a lot of time out on some of the beautiful beaches out here in the East Coast uh, that they're only really beautiful between you know, uh, <laughs> late May and, and mid-September. Yeah, of course. Um, so a significant portion of my audience is quite young, so they're still in school and I guess figuring out where their next direction is and, you know, that's challenging, figuring out what is next for you in the future. And the aviation world is huge and we were just talking about uh, before briefly all the work that goes into getting a plane in the sky. So there's lots of positions that I'm sure many people have never heard of um, that even may be in the aviation world. So for what you do today, is there something you could recommend to someone that's younger and listening in today? What may be education pathway or if there's extracurricular activities um, to get you into the aviation industry and maybe doing something like you do? Because I'm sure while it may not be the most talked about, as in obviously when we're younger, aviation, people probably automatically think pilot. There's a host of other roles that are open to people. Yeah, so I'm I'm on that other side. I'm not a pilot, at least not not professionally. Um, I, I would not overlook pilots, though. We there is a dire shortage mm-hmm. of pilots. Um, it's a fantastic career. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to go fly a big piece of metal, you know, behind a computer. Are, are the pilots we have on our team, it's very active piloting. Um, you know, you're in an amphibious seaplane. You're doing short hops. You know, it's a lot of a lot of real real really fun interesting flying and you know it takes a particular type of person uh that that enjoys it uh but it's an it's amazing it's very fulfilling work um you know we spend a lot of time uh looking for dispatchers uh mm-hmm. and operations folks uh, who can uh help manage our fleet from from behind the scenes uh making everything from uh you know really being the 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 co-pilot of, of the crew that are in the air, uh, you know, monitoring things from the ground, helping with our passengers, coordinating charters, um, uh, all of the systems, you know, dispatch systems, uh, operational control systems, uh, weather systems that we 
that we use to uh, for for our for our operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, there's a there's a there's a big area in in marketing and sales, uh, and some very specific uh, people. It, it, I, f- I find in our business, people it, it takes a while to understand uh, aviation and and airlines, and it, and in particular. So while some marketing and sales functions and skills actually can apply to multiple industries, uh, if you carry with it a, a, a real passion for what you're doing, uh, there's some very specific uh, nuances of uh, airline marketing, sales, and distribution uh, that can serve you well and make you very valuable in the right company. Of course. So it's almost finding that area you really love and applying mm-hmm. that to your to future jobs type of thing, which is what yes, you mentioned. But we, need, we need more pilots, yeah. there's no doubt. Uh, yeah, they're not going anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of new developments out there, but uh, I don't. I think there's always going to be a need for people uh, who course. love to fly. Of course. And can. Yes. <laughs> so um, moving on to the next like subtopic, if you will, these are questions asked by people that are from the community. So I put forward that I was going to be interviewing you today, and they've put forward sure. a couple of their questions. Um, yep. So the first one was, how difficult is it to operate seaplanes with the incoming air traffic boats and more just in a busy city like New York City? Uh, and how does it work logistically? Well, I don't know how technical we want to get, but um, so the seaplane base is, in Manhattan has been open uh, and accessible to, by seaplanes uh, for quite some time. I believe at least since the 1950s or 60s, some version of a seaplane base has been there since the 1920s. Um, the large flying boats of, of, of the 1930s were actually out at LaGuardia Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, so at that point, when the, boat, when the planes got really big, the clippers, they moved them away from the East River. But smaller seaplanes have always been able to go into the East River. Um, it is an exciting and dynamic environment. It's one of the reasons we always have two crews. Um, there are set procedures. Uh, seaplanes logistically only land during daylight hours. Uh, and only under certain visual flying conditions, so VFR conditions. Um, there are some slightly lower minimums that we can go into than true VFR, uh, but essentially you need to be able to uh, see and avoid uh, obstacles, whether they be fixed obstacles like buildings or bridges, uh, or or they be other flying obstacles like helicopters. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of air traffic mm-hmm. uh, at the higher elevations. Um, technically, the airplanes, if, if people who are kind of interested in this kind of thing, uh, the aircraft about 95% of the time actually overfly the center of LaGuardia Airport at 1,500 feet. So they go, they, they directly overpass the, those, those intersecting runways, mm-hmm. uh, turn, turn left, uh, go down the river, uh, right over the uh, Queensboro Bridge, uh, otherwise known as, sometimes known as the 59th Street Bridge. Uh, they come in and depending a little bit on wind direction, uh, you know, there's a couple of different approaches. Um, so they go right past the UN uh, and land and land in the water, right there. There's a, there's a the East River it creates a bit of a boat basin. It's called the East River Boat Basin, and it uh, mm-hmm. it's a little bit wider um, place. Uh, so it's not quite a river. It, it's technically a river, but it, it's more like a, a small little bay. You're, you briefly touched on a bit of the history and all that, and do you think that probably plays a role in making it? How would I put it? Obviously, there's always going to be challenges, but it's definitely more seamless than maybe some other locations that are not as established or maybe have opened in the past two years where it's getting to grips with it, would you say? Or um, 
I mean, we've been flying into the East River now for since 2014. Mm-hmm. So that's about it's about eight years. Um, you know, it's quite it's standard. We we I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. Most people don't think you can actually fly into Manhattan uh, without having to go through an airport. So it, it does surprise people. It's not something people are looking for. That makes it kind of a marketing challenge in a way. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a very established uh, situation that, that the aircraft technically become boats as soon as they're in the water. Uh, and actually, you know, they follow Coast Guard regulations and the Harbor Master. They switch on their marine radios, um, which they have dual radios or airplanes. So they can do aviation frequencies, of course. Uh, and then they're also talking to the the boat traffic in the East River. So, um, you know, it's it's the responsibility of the aircraft to avoid uh, obstacles in the water. That would obviously include any boat. Um, But then once they're on the water, they're just another motorboat, really. Of course. looks a little different. Yes. Um, And you were speaking a little bit on uh, marketing and so forth, so I just thought I'd go on to the final question that was put by the community, and that's the demographic that Tailwind targets. So, obviously... You'll see some establishments, airlines, they might focus on the younger demographic, business, corporate. Is there a section you would say that Tailwind targets? Definitely. I mean, our service is a... So if you look at the problem that we're trying to solve between New York and Boston, uh, it's it's quite slow to travel between New York and Boston on the whole. Uh, by the time you go to the airport and get on a plane and come out the other side, uh, what is what is probably 40 minutes in the air for the jet... Uh, turns into about three and a half hours for the passenger. Uh, and that's if everything's kind of working. Maybe you could make it three hours. Um, and then you've got to get back into the city and, and you know, several Ubers and mm-hmm. TSA and all that stuff. Uh, the train uh, is not fast. It's marketed as fast, but it's not. It takes three and a half hours as the fastest train. Uh, it's not particularly frequent either and prone to delays. So our goal, you know, what the, what the, what the seaplane is doing is is the what we say I think of it as the best of the train with the best of the plane and that it's it's fast like an airplane uh, it's also down it's also leaving from the city the center of the city in both Boston and in Manhattan and it's doing it at speed so that comes with a slight price premium you know our aircraft only seat eight passengers um, we have always two pilots but eight passengers um, so it is a product that uh, has a price premium. Uh, so our typical segment between New York and Boston is about $500 one way. Um, that's about twice, uh, a little bit less than twice. It depends a bit uh, what the premium train service is or, or a last minute, uh, you know, Delta shuttle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, so, so to that end, our passengers are, are a mix of business travelers and, uh, you know, uh, higher value uh, premium travelers. And certainly our summer services are focused on a very niche crowd of people who own second homes out in these summer destinations uh, and are looking for uh, easy commuting access uh, back into New York for whatever reason they need to be, do, you know, commuting for. Uh, and that's certainly at a, at a significant price premium. Of course, and I guess the accessibility of it, and like you said, and when I've read a lot about Tailwind and, and spoken to a few people regarding that, it's the ease and how you mentioned you've got to get three Ubers if you take the plane or you've got to take this and that, but the ease of the service is it drops you closer to where you probably want to be. 
So that cuts quite a lot of time out of your journey or additional costs, if you will. Yeah, so 23rd Street is about half, is equidistant between Wall Street and Midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not more than 10, at the most, 15 minutes from where you need to be. Yeah, which uh, is a perfect spot. And in Boston, it's even it's even crazier than that. Where, where our water taxi drops you off, uh, we have two different destinations. Uh, probably 80, 90% of, of the city is accessible uh, by foot, uh, at least from, of the most common places people are going. Yeah, no, of course. You're listening to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Stay tuned as we depart into another topic. Um, so just some questions from myself now. Uh, obviously, yeah. in your role, would it be possible to outline the overall process, if you will? You don't have to go too in-depth if you don't want to. But from the conceptual stage to the launch of a, say, new route that you guys would be doing at Tailwind. So the original planning to actually getting it in the air and operational. Well, like main places, we'll look at historical data. Um, we'll look, look at competition to the extent that we have it. Some of our routes, we're, we're really not, we don't have competition. We're not, we we, we certainly use some of the methods that an airline would use in terms of looking at, you know, uh, traffic statistics and other public data. Um, many of our destinations, not New York and Boston, but others, there really isn't all that information. Um, it's about really understanding your market. Um, certainly, we're trying to see what fits our ethos and our and our what we're you know what what we think our seaplanes are unique in doing, and that's that's connecting you know, urban areas uh, and bypassing either traffic or waterways or congestion or just slow connections. So where is that relevant? Uh, and and right now we're geographically focused in, on the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not necessarily forever. Uh, so, you know, one of the biggest thing, you know, the biggest fish there, and, you know, New York and Boston is obviously a, a, a very large market. Um, our seasonal summer destinations also um, have a, have a historic community that is uh, is looking for faster ways to, to get rid of two or three hours of traffic on their weekends in each direction. Um, you know that it's interesting. We're not a regular airline at all. Like in some of our summer destinations, this is more of an aviation blog. We only run flights one way. Mm-hmm. We don't even offer the way back. Um, it, there's not really any demand for it. No, of course. Um, so that's not true between New York and Boston. That our summer destinations are, are one-way flights, um, and we offer on the on the return days we offer all those flights only in one direction as well. Um, so it's it's interesting. Uh, it is, and I'm sure I could, I'm sure I could give you more things. We, as someone who worked at American Airlines, you know, you would go through you know gigabytes of of data and outside stuff and look at what all your competition was doing and, and lineup schedules and, and mm-hmm. offer frequency and all these other ways that you could, you could do it. Um, ours is a little bit different than that. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah. And um, obviously a lot of it does have to do with people that are going to fly, whether it's American airlines, whether it's tailwind, <clears throat> whoever it is, but you could almost argue from what I'm hearing you're saying is uh, with tailwind, there's a huge focus on your customers and the people flying. Like when you are going with these routes, you, you want to make sure that you're appealing to the people that are going to fly to, whether it's the summer destinations, like you mentioned, there's no point, say, launching a route if you don't think people are going to, I mean, that goes for everything, but especially for this. 
and like you said it's down to a lot about what the people what you think the people would want and what would be beneficial as well to them i'm sure yeah so we we there's a couple things one we offer a semi-private experience really you're not you're not with the with the masses uh you're you're like i said you're not with more than eight people um you know that's a that's in that's kind of a premium experience we deliver a premium customer service angle as well whether it be the technical one with our app uh or just we have a lot of uh staff and we take a lot of phone calls and there's a lot of personal relationships that we build up mm-hmm. um so you know that you know that's important uh, we don't have large marketing budgets uh, at least not compared to larger travel brands or travel airlines we have you know we're we're, we're a very small dot on the on compared to, to the millions that they spend so we count on on virality uh of what we do whether it be on social or really whether it be uh friends recommending friends uh, or family recommending family um word of mouth among our own customers is clearly one the most important thing um that helps us on a lot of our routes of course and i think that the customer deal being able to deal with an employee and probably not having to deal with say long wait times that you can experience is something that else is appreciated they probably feel like it's a personal experience which i guess is something you'd want as well but i'm sure your customers definitely appreciate that that they have that personal relationship they feel like they're appreciated for flying as well (laughs) Yeah, and I, we, we certainly trade on our uniqueness. Uh, you know, uh, airlines are, for the most part, um, a commodity. I, you know, as much as people want to talk about this this airline serves this champagne and that one serves the other champagne and all that stuff, you know, it's more or less a seat is a seat. Um, there may be some differences in some of the premium cabins, but it's largely the same thing. Everybody's pretty safe, you know. Uh, everybody, it's... Uh, the planes are the same. They're all built by the same two companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not that, right? So we trade on that uniqueness. You're going into the water. You have the flexibility to land on on at an airport, you know, if it doesn't allow, or you want to get into a short field. Um, you know, you have amazing views of the city in and out that you would never get. You don't ever get on, on, on a, in a traditional airline. So we definitely highlight those things. Uh, recognizing that not everybody is interested in that, but there's certainly a huge group that is. Of course. And uh, I, I definitely agree with you. <coughs> you said um, a seat's a seat, and I just thought to myself, that's what I say all the time. There's a lot of people that maybe don't understand that, but I just think to myself, most so of I can them, guarantee you, most while you're actually in a seat, almost nothing else about flying a seaplane is like you know what, what, uh, no. <laughs> what you would be used to on a traditional It's airline. totally different. I was more, yeah. I guess in the in the sense of flying an American Airlines aircraft or whatever it may be, you're likely yeah. that's what I meant. Like you're flying economy fourteen hours, the seat's the seat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or or you're in business. Well, you probably most likely got a bed and a decent meal service. But okay. but obviously seven thirty seven if it's painted blue or it's painted green, it's still seven thirty seven. Exactly. You know? And so <laughs> these are these are this is not that. So um, but at the same time we're not you know, just to re emphasize, you know, to people we are using an extremely proven aircraft. The, the, the Cessna Caravan that we have, uh, they're EX amphibians. Um, there's been 2,500 built. Uh, not all, many of them are wheeled, uh, but it's certainly a very proven technology platform. Of course. Um, and so while it's very unique in the Northeast, um, it's not, uh, I would not call it, you know, it's, you're not taking a giant leap of faith, uh, you know, in, into some kind of, you know, kind of unknown platform. Yeah, it's not like one of a kind 
and you guys are just trolling. No, no we're not it's the proven. First guys flying no. <laughs> uh, some new experimental, you know, aviation piece of aviation. This, yeah, this is this is very proven. It's all. Of course, you know, and it's good. It's good having that as well. You know, the faith, even for you guys, just having the faith in what you're actually providing. Yeah, and our sure. aircraft, our brand, our, for the, our fleet is very young. I mean, our average fleet age is uh, under five years old. Uh, so, which is, you know, virtually new, uh, in the, you know, for, for all intents and purposes. Yes, for 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 our for the aviation industry, new. Some people are like five yeah, exactly. years. Wow, but then you show them something that's like thirty-five, and they're like, what? <laughs> that was born before that was, that was flying before even I was born. Um, so you've answered a couple of my questions regarding onboard product and the customer side of things. So I wanted to more talk about the future. You mentioned just a tiny bit uh, ago something about how maybe you didn't just want to stick to the Northeast Corridor. And I guess um, in the coming years, are there any goals for Tailwind, ambitions that you would like to achieve, um, whether that be location, whether it's more routes? Is there a direction you guys want to head? So there's a lot of ways to grow uh, for us. Um, certainly on some of our existing routes, there's a lot of density we can provide uh, in terms of additional frequencies. Our aircraft are very flexible. Once we, between New York and Boston, there are a number, there are two or three kind of auxiliary airports near Boston that could fly directly to Manhattan. Um, there's also this an equivalent amount from the New York area. So certainly in, there are other dots in the Northeast um, uh, the largest one being, and I'll only just talk about it, we have an arrow in our route map that points down towards Washington. Um, that's certainly um, a front of mind project for us uh, is, is delivering on that. Um, there, there are multiple other places in the Northeast as a function of how fast we can grow. Uh, but there are, there are other geographies in the United States where this kind of service makes sense. Um, we're looking at a few of them. Uh, I don't have that much more to add. That that is probably more than a year away. But yeah. there's a lot to do between here, uh, here and there. Uh, we've we've created a great footprint in the Northeast with our our hubs, so to speak, in Boston and, and New York. And we think there's a lot of destinations we can serve from those places. Oh, that's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. Oh, I always enjoy hearing plans about expansion and growth and and just what's next because I think that's in life. It's it's always. It's great to hear a company that wants to expand, that wants to find new areas. We, we have a toehold, <laughs> and that's why I think we can grow. I think our product is so different and differentiated. And so uh, just wowing, if you look at some of the articles, people are, they, and some of our, our customers, they'll tell you it's, it's either breathtaking or revolutionary, um, connecting large, uh, wealthy areas and, and, businesses, and business cities like New York and Boston in the speed that we do it. It might be something somewhat common in Europe, but it's not common in the United States. No, of course. You just don't have like really fast trains and all that stuff. For whatever reason, um, we essentially deliver that. Uh, and, you know, I, we think that that in itself will fuel a lot of demand. Uh, once people realize how close uh, some of these metropo- some of these cities can be to each other through our seaplanes. Well, that's something uh, you make mention of. Obviously, I'm not from the United States and I've visited only a handful of times. So I don't fully understand, you know, the geographic location and how close something may be. But you you made a perfect comparison to Europe and I guess the fast train travel there and how quickly you can get from point A to point B, whether it's as simple as London and Paris. You look on a map and, yeah, it may look far away, but then you're like, hang on, that train gets me that quickly or the plane gets me that quickly. Um, yeah. But that doesn't really, it doesn't exist to my knowledge and from everything I've looked at and what you've mentioned, it's its not quite the same in the United States. 
Um, I'm sure there's plans for that, but when that eventually comes, you know how long these sorts of things take. <laughs> I mean, we could have a whole discussion on high-speed train and the uh, train travel in the United States. For so many reasons, it doesn't really exist. Um, there is a higher-speed train in the Northeast, uh, but the fact is it's slow by any measure of, mm-hmm. of, of Asian, you know, by, from, uh, of Asian countries or, or, or European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, of course, the United States is a very big place. Um, I think we fill a, a nice niche where niche where our, um, our our aircraft are optimized for missions, you know, under 400 miles or so, and that's about what a, you know, we can deliver it. And of course, we can't take thousands of people on a train. Um, so I, I would I would argue I would love to see the United States actually develop high speed rail, but um, until that day, uh, I think there's something to be said for what we're doing. Of course, I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be a while, to say the least, if it ever does. And um, you mentioned how the high speed rail in comparison to say Asia and Europe. And I think if people wouldn't weren't to know and they jump on board a regular rail service, they're probably like, oh, this is going at a decent speed. If they hop across to Europe or hop across to Asia, I think they'll be quite shocked at how fast those trains and how quickly well, they I've can been, get. I've been privileged to to to, to spend a lot of time. Um, well spend a reasonable amount of time in Europe. So I, I, I realize what's there. I would say the other thing that's interesting about what we're doing, I'll let you finish your questions. The, the future of aviation, mm-hmm. uh, especially electrification of, of, of aircraft, uh, is going to, li- I mean, after it goes probably through some cargo and military applications, is likely to hit uh, the, the kind of short regional service that we provide uh, first, and that's that's immensely exciting. We spent a lot of time strategically as a company, uh, being in a good position to adopt technologies that emerge from uh, an enormous amount of research and development that's going on into those aircraft. Um, and we see ourselves as as likely one of the first operators of all electric aircraft. And again, they have, it's hard, you just have to call them aircraft because some of them don't fit into an easy box with vertical takeoff and landing and all this other stuff. Um, we, uh, we're, we're very excited to be, to be early adopters of that into our network. And we've got a number of different projects going on. That's very exciting to hear. Um, these are just the last couple ones, and then I don't know if you wanted to branch more into that, uh, what we were talking about just before. Uh, this is something that I always find very interesting to hear the responses to. Obviously, we've been going through a global pandemic, and we've had many ups and downs. Um, were there any challenges for you during the pandemic at Tailwind or did you see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to say in, grow in a certain way or adopt a different uh, way of operations? Um, or would you say there were more challenges than say, uh, ben- obviously we know there weren't very many benefits on a whole, but some businesses could look at it as a, whether it's new routes or they can do more analyzing, like you mentioned. Um, yeah. How did you, how was the pandemic for Tailwind? I guess more generally, <laughs> So I was I was there. Is certainly the early days were quite scary as a business when when everything is pulled out from underneath you. Uh, I would say uh, the pandemic as a whole has been a good thing for this for our company. Um, the other side of our company, away from scheduled service, is a charter and aircraft management company. Uh, demand for charter aircraft has never been higher for the past two years, really. Um, an enormous cohort of people are discovering private aviation and shared shuttle and all these other services. Uh, as the airlines basically pulled down all their schedules, as people got nervous about traveling in, in, in large crowds, uh, w- 
companies like ourselves, whether it be our schedule service or our charter service, are the antidote to that. Um, and a lot of people reached up and 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 essentially, you know, started looking at that. And, and we see um, tailwinds from that uh, in that <laughs> I, in that a lot of those people continue to. Uh, I mean, I weave that word in, which is no, no, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they continue to, to charter. The, the demand has been high. Um, and and also on a regulatory level as well, uh, we were able to get some things done, especially when it comes up to uh, Boston, um, some things that we were always very busy and, and, and everyone, we had more chance to focus on actually opening up that Boston base, which was a key breakthrough for us. Of course. Um, I've spoken to a couple other people in like the private sector and, and you're sort of going on with what they've been saying. In the past couple of years, more people have been choosing, whether it's the shared flight methods or jumping on board chartered aircraft. Um, because of that, it's not just the fear of, say, whether it's how you mentioned the credit. Then we have a whole different area as well from people finding out about it, never knowing it existed and they can get to point A to point B very easily. Um, of course, you have the certain base, you have a, a, a smaller group that would be doing it, but it's enough to keep that going. And that's why you're seeing such the strong growths in, different, in that kind of area recently. Well, so I'll tell you, DJ, the technology has, uh, has enabled a new group of people to explore general aviation. Um, I think it used to be kind of not very well understood. And it's kind of these, you know, old rich guys flying around on these, on these planes um, apps and, and shared charter and uh, empty legs and seats and um, a number of things uh, have made it more accessible and more visible and more transparent too. I mean, you can you can go on an app and and and, and just find out what it would cost um, or or look at different aircraft options and types. Uh, so uh, and all these new people who've been who've tried this over the last two years, um, you know, many of them like what they experienced mm -hmm. and so um you know i would say when you, when it comes to the pandemic um we, we've come out of it come out of it well that's nice to hear especially with as you know just how tough some companies had it it's nice to hear the stories where there were some benefits and there were some positives yeah yep. um that's all for my questions today there were a couple more which you already sort of touched on regarding um, customers, why would they choose to fly as an example, like the onboard experience? And you touched on that with the employees and I guess the personal level and the personal feel of flying uh, Tailwind. Um, but that's yeah. all I had for today. So um, I would round out the interview and just say thank you very much for taking the time. I do really appreciate it. I know you're busy. So taking the time to sit down, it's it's really uh, appreciated. So thank you for that. Thank you. I, I love to talk about what, we, what we're doing here. I think uh, we've got a, a great team and... Uh, and, and exciting plans. I can I can so see thanks that. For taking the time. No, I can see that because you've got a smile on your face when you talk about it, and I think that's that that says everything. You know, you enjoy it, passionate about it, and I think that's a lot of what you need. And perfect. Thanks. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Take care. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. 
If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.